Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues on American Family Radio on this Tuesday, September the 28th. We thank you for listening, as we always do, to AFR. Hope you're having a great day. Tim Wildman here with Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. Good to be here. Also joining us is Dr. Ray Pritchard. How you doing, Brother Ray? Hey, I'm doing good, Tim, and how are you? Doing well. Kansas City, uh, Kansas weather report is 76 degrees, sunny, no wind, Mm -hmm. good golf weather, Tim. Great. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect golf weather and bike riding. And bike riding weather. Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. So you're going to be hitting the trail. Absolutely. Did I ask you, do you change up your, uh, routes or you do the same, same one every day? Well, let let me tell you what I did over the weekend. Okay. Um, I just Sunday was my 69th birthday. No, and so yeah, I know. I'm shocked, Fred. <laughs> Actually, I'm terrified. I'm terrified when I, when I consider the implications of that and where I'll be 12 months from now. But last Thursday, I did TI, and uh, when we got off the air, Marlene and I got in the car and we drove from Kansas City to Southwestern Michigan because our youngest son uh, and his wife and their kids were up there. And we spent the weekend with them. And on Sunday for my 69th birthday, my son Nick and I got on our bikes. And we decided we were going to try to ride uh, in the Apple Cider Century bike ride. It's about 4,000 people, Tim, come to this little town in southwestern Michigan. And this is apple picking season, so it's a fabulous time of the year up there. And we were going to try to ride 69 miles, one mile for every year. I got about halfway into that on Sunday and thought maybe I should have reconsidered should have reconsidered this idea. But but by the grace of God we made it. And so on Sunday I rode sixty nine miles up in Michigan, finished the ride. Marlene and I got back in the car, loaded everything up and drove back to Kansas City and got in wow. about midnight Sunday night. So now, what was your personal uh most miles in one ride? Uh about twenty years ago. I rode, you know, the century is that. That's the thing that bike riders want to do. I rode 104 miles. And, you know, having done that in one day, I, I feel no need ever to repeat that feat again. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission totally accomplished. Exactly right. 100 miles in a day? Man, yeah. that's moving. That, yeah. yeah. Now, do you take breaks like every 10 miles or – Oh yeah, on this deal uh, up in Michigan, the sixty-nine miles. You know, we, uh, Fred, I, we would go about an hour and then stop into these tents, and you could, you know, it was really well organized because you don't want to do. I mean, I couldn't do a hundred miles straight. I couldn't do sixty-nine miles straight. So about every hour, take a break. I, I you know, eat, eat that trail mix. Drink some apple cider, and I think I ate about four bananas along the way. Along the way? Yeah. Potassium for the muscles. Potassium, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, good for you, brother. Proud yeah, of you. Thank you. Thank you. For that's, that accomplishment. That's good. That's good. Uh, absolutely. Kind of reminds me, uh, was it uh, George Bush Sr.? Uh, even when he was up, was it in his 90s? 
Yeah. He, on his birthday, he'd jump out of an airplane. He'd jump out of an airplane. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. That was yeah. kind of an annual thing for him. Yeah. And he continued to do that very close up, to, very close to his death. Yeah. You yeah, know, I'm I, not going to do that. I'm, I'm not, not going to no, do that. I, you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, I, I'm not going to do that ever. I've thought about that before. It, look, it looks exhilarating. It looks challenging and fun and exciting from the video camera. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I did that. I did that once, Tim. Oh, you Tim, did that too for for my 60th birthday. Again, my, my youngest, our yeah. youngest son Nick. He 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 paid the money to to jump out of an airplane, and this is when we were living in or when it was in Chicago about 10 years ago, and so got it 14,000 feet, jumped out of the airplane, and well, now Chicago is one of those places where you could jump out of the plane. Uh, and survive, but it just depends on what neighborhood you land in. That's that's correct. <laughs> that's right. You really don't. You, you prefer to land in a pasture somewhere if you can find one, right? Oh my goodness! So you you jumped out of an airplane when you were sixtieth, uh, So how uh, how high up were you? Fourteen thousand feet. Were you attached to somebody else? Absolutely. Yeah. That's my one and only jumps. I had the, had the expert behind me, the tandem jump. They were not going to let me jump out and pull the ripcord <clears throat> myself, you know. So. You know, I pay good money to fly in an airplane. Yeah. But I am not yeah. going to pay good money no. to jump out of that airplane. No. 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 But listen, kudos to you, Ray. Man, that's, I think that's I would, something. I would die of terror. <laughs> You know, but the thing is, you just close your eyes, and they kind of push you. They just kind of push you out, so you don't really have a choice there at the last second. You know, close your eyes and tumble, and out you go. Mm. All right. Wow. That's when they tell you, you know, ninety-eight out of a hundred survive this. That's that's right. Here we go. That's right. right. Good luck. And we think percentages are are just about what COVID survival are. Let's go. That's right. Let's go. All right. Uh, Okay. So. I am really uh, impressed. Let let, let me tell folks, if you want to watch this program, join us on the Internet. Go to Facebook or YouTube and type in Today's Issues, Today's Issues. By the way, in the the next few weeks probably, we're going to be having our own YouTube-like channel, okay, here at AFA and AFR. So it won't be long till we'll be telling you to go to our own streaming service, which we are creating. Uh, and you'll be able to uh, you'll watch the show there. And we won't be censored or banned uh, by companies anymore. You know, uh, we did a video. By we, I mean, it was Ed. I think it was Ed Walker and me. We did a video, a three-minute video called Reason and Company. We did this about two or three weeks ago. And the topic of the video was how the story of the success of ivermectin in India was not being discussed in the United States mm-hmm. in treating COVID. Okay. Yes. Ivermectin. That's what I'm talking about. The, uh, I don't know. It's a drug. Mm-hmm. It's a, a Nobel been around for years. Nobel peace winning mm-hmm. peace. Uh, I don't know if it is Nobel winning a uh, drug. Um, uh, Okay, lauded by the world of science and medicine mm-hmm. a few years ago, ago when it was uh, first released on the market. Uh, and so I was reading a story about how it was being used, and I am no expert on this, and my, on, on this, so I'm, I don't offer myself as a, a medical expert in any way, shape, or form, but I was reading 
about how it, this drug had been used in India to mm-hmm. uh, help with uh, people who contracted. It, it's, it's well documented. Okay. You know, India, I'm not right? making this up. No, you're not. No, and, and so well we're discussing, the irony is we're discussing how this story is being censored in America. And it wasn't an hour after our video was released that Vimeo, which is like YouTube, many people have heard of that. Am I right? That that would be a proper right. description? That's exactly okay, right. Vimeo, it's a very well-known company, popular company. They, they, they took down our uh, video, and they also what they call deplatformed us or whatever. Huh. In other words, they just basically put us in jail or kicked us out of the room, however you want to describe it. Sure. Just oh. for – just over for, that? Yes, over the ivermectin? Yes, yes. I think what happened was uh, just the word ivermectin mm-hmm. yeah, is, just a, the word. Is, is a trigger for the – now, Facebook didn't take us down, uh, and, and YouTube didn't take us down for that commentary. Right. We didn't we – didn't, nobody said go take ivermectin. People can make up their own mind. Do your, sure. own, do your own research. Do your own homework on that, as we always say. Talk to your doctor, whatever. And by the way, with ivermectin, I know enough to know that there are animal doses and there are human doses. Don't go to the tractor supply people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't, but but, don't but, but see, the, the people who want to mock it, all they do is say, look at these dumb hillbillies. They're taking horse medicine. They're taking right. horse pills. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, they don't tell you that ivermectin is used by humans at, at a human dosage. Anyway, it was just... I say all that to say this: uh, we're we're not going to be censored mm-hmm. and banned for saying things on our own channel. Good. Okay, right. so we we've spent about a year creating this uh, streaming service that we're going to be releasing in the next few weeks. That's that's reason why I'm great. Started talking about this, but yeah, man, it didn't take Vimeo an hour, Ray. You, so you've read about this ivermectin? Um, oh, sure, okay. sure. Well, the, the, I mean. The stuff about it being used in India, right. that's common knowledge. That's every, I mean, it's out there. I, again, we're not making medical right. recommendations here. We're just reporting on it, how it's being used but, around the world. But I felt like, man, I'm living in communist China. Mm-hmm. You, right. you, can't, you can't even have a conversation about the possibility of anything COVID-related as a treatment outside of whatever uh, Fauci and the CDC say. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you're going to be censured and banned and called a wacko. That's right. Huh? That's right. That's where we are. The when sen- people's experience yes, and people talking uh, tell you that uh, you're not a wacko. I okay? know. You know right. And the science, as you have mentioned, Tim, the science behind it, uh, Nobel um, Medical Prize yeah. for ivermectin, what it's done. And what it did in that province in India was absolutely amazing. Yeah. When they started giving it to people, the rate of COVID problems went down dramatically. Right. Dramatically. Right. So my thing is, why can't you even just talk about it? If you want to let somebody talk, that's America. We have free speech. We can have open discussions. Even if the even if your open discussions and your free speech don't necessarily align with the CDC, mm-hmm. can we not even have those opinions mm-hmm. uh, based on people's own research, people's own homework, people's own experience? Doctors who yes. are given ivermectin—that's right. Some doctors who are given ivermectin, 
Mm-hmm. So, and other things. It's just like, as I said as I said earlier, why is it that just COVID seems to trigger the censorship or the banning or well, other things too, but uh, in the name of truth, right? Mm-hmm. In the name of accuracy. Yep. And then I want to say. In, well, in the beginning, you know, we talked about hydroxychloroquine and then no, you don't talk about yeah. that. And it's ivermectin and we don't talk about that. Look, it seems to me. When you're facing a worldwide pandemic where several million people have, have died and, and millions more have gotten sick, we ought to have all the information on the table, right? right? We, let's have a lively debate. Let's, right. Nobody's saying, at least we're not saying, what worked in a province in India right. is going to work for you in South Carolina. We are not right. saying that. But we're saying that information ought to be publicly available, and we ought to be able to talk about it without fear of censorship, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think when the history books are written about this period, what you're going to find it was a period unprecedented for control of information. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's scary. And you mentioned China, you mentioned Russia. Uh, a, a government narrative, and the government has decided anything that moves outside of those two walls of information is going to be discredited and considered dangerous. Now, that's where we are, considered dangerous. And and you know what? I I don't like to think that there's a grand conspiracy here. Uh, I don't know that something that's so out in the open is considered a conspiracy to control the narrative completely Mm -hmm. about something and only offer one perspective and that's the only one it's the ministry of truth yes right that's the only one that can be mm-hmm. even discussed and that's not what america no. has no. been that's right. uh you know we don't shut down people who disagree with us uh we don't shut down their their right to speak that's right uh, even if it's about medical well, clearly things. something's clearly some there's an algorithm that's set yes. up somewhere yes so that so that what yeah. what you guys recorded within an hour, boom! They saw the word ivermectin, right. and then their their algorithm or right? their computer system, however you want to describe it, was triggered by the word ivermectin, and it's probably automatically banned. I don't think there's somebody sitting around just listening to our no commentary. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, you're listening to it's today's the same issues. way on Facebook, YouTube, all y- of it. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, all right, go ahead, Fred. Well, uh, as we sit here in our studios today, uh, there is a Senate hearing uh, that has been much anticipated going on. It is a Senate Armed Services Committee hearing. And the three guests for the day are Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley, and U.S. Central Command Commander uh, General Kenneth McKenzie. Those are all names and faces that we've become very familiar with uh, because of the what many people believe is the disaster in Afghanistan and what happened there as we moved our troops out. And uh, as I say, this has been much anticipated uh, because it was a disaster. There are still, at some people's estimates, thousands of Americans still in there. And, uh, and it's a country that's been turned over to Taliban terrorists, and they're acting that way today. Uh, I'm listening to some of the exchanges that have taken place in the last hour or so. One of them between uh, Republican Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi and a question to the Joint Chiefs Chair Mark Milley. And uh, Wicker's question basically was this. Because of what happened, 
in Afghanistan, how we pulled out so quickly, and how it fell to the Taliban in a matter of days. Do you think our, our being the United States credibility with allies and enemies, have suffered? Here's cut number nine. The President of the United States unequivocally said, any American who wants to come home, we'll get you home. We're going to stay and get them out. The President of the United States, our Commander-in-Chief, did exactly the opposite. Now, I think you were right, General Milley, when you advised that, that um, our credibility would be damaged. Our credibility has, has been gravely damaged, has it not, General Milley? I think that our credibility um, with allies and partners around the world and with adversaries uh, is being intensely reviewed by them to see which way this is going to go. Uh, and I think that damage is one word that could be used, yes. I think that was a very important confession, admission uh, for General Milley to make that our credibility has been damaged, no question about it. And uh, as Senator Wicker tried to point out there, our president, President Biden, made promises during the month of July. We will not leave until every American is out. And he, he repeated that promise in late July. And then what did we do? We turn around and we hightail it out of there. They like to talk about, but we got 125,000 people out in 17 days. Well, that's nice, but we left behind a lot of Americans. I oh, want to know who we got out. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> I mean, that's it's a difference question. between getting, huh? yes. There's some question about that. Yeah, and they're still trying to blame, they're still trying to blame the Afghani forces. They said we, and, and this morning was Millie mm -hmm. and some of the others saying, we didn't expect them to hightail it when we were leaving. Well, what did you expect them to do? They looked at the Americans shutting down the Bagram Air Force Base. They looked at uh, us moving all our resources out. And those military people said, we're going to be out of there. One of the questions that was asked this morning of, of Millie was, if the Af Afghan forces had stayed there, where would it be today? Would they be able to hold on to anything? <laughs> and, and the response was, well, they might be able to hold on to Kabul. All right. So you're blaming them for the quick fall of everything, but you're now admitting that even if they stayed in place and fought the Taliban, all they would have left is the city of Kabul. Everything else will be under the Taliban's control. So you're defeating your own argument. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple things here. Milley, uh, General Milley, he's, he served under President Trump and yes. President Biden. A um, couple things. One is his admittance right there that our reputation around the world has suffered damage. That's mm -hmm. what he agreed. He agreed with Senator Wicker. Yes. Senator Wicker called it grave damage. He called it damage so he acknowledged that yes uh but everybody knows this right i mean he's not acknowledging say if he, if he failed to acknowledge it that would be a story uh so but but uh the other thing is that he said did millie that he recommended to biden that he leave 2500 troops in afghanistan is he do you know hmm. is he talking about ray do you know if he's talking about going forward into indefinitely uh, or is he talking about during this uh transition period? what else it seems to me the only thing it could mean is is the first thing 2500 going forward to well, what purpose well let, let me just uh answer my own quote so to okay. answer my own question so to speak 
and good people can disagree about this, all right? If you would have told me, uh, uh, you know, a year ago, whatever, Tim, are you in favor of our troops staying in Afghanistan indefinitely, or do you think we ought to bring our troops home? I would have said, well, bring our troops home because we've been over there nearly 20 years, and we're not – what what good are we doing? I would, that's what That would have been my answer, and I think that's probably the answer, don't you think, Ray, of the vast majority of Americans? Absolutely. Especially people who've had family and friends deployed over there. They're going, 20 wow. years is long enough. Yeah, that, why? That, that's the right. consensus of almost everybody, right? Okay. I agree. So we agree with that. Now, in hindsight, of course, we don't know all the things that a president knows or that a Joint Chiefs of Staff knows. Uh, or that it, the, the military leaders know uh, or should know and, and did know. But if you had told me uh, there hasn't been one troop, one, one American serviceman or woman killed in 10 years in Afghanistan and leaving just that 2,500 to 3,000 troops means that the, that, 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 that the country does not collapse into the hands of the Taliban uh, where they can be used for terrorist purposes and uh, then I would have I would have had a second thought. I, I really would have. I'd have said, "Hmm." So we got a military base that protects millions of people, and we we keep terrorism from from rising up in that country again, which could potentially, by terrorism, I mean international terrorism hub, mm-hmm. where that you can set up shop. You know what I'm saying? To, yeah. Like they did with Al Qaeda. Yes. The train. Then I would have been more hesitant to say, "Well, let's." Let's pull out. Let's go and leave. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why Milley recommended leaving 2,500 troops in there indefinitely. Yeah. I'm just saying. You, you, well, 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 I, I mean, so the, uh, people Fred, use, you go and then you go, right? People use the South Korea as an example. Or Germany. We, we, South Korea, uh, certainly. Yeah. Yes. We still have troops there for a reason because right. there is an ongoing threat. Right. I think what a lot of people have trouble with is is Biden administration. Did you really expect by taking everybody out that what happened did happen? Right. No, it was handled terribly. Oh. And I think, don't you think, Ray, that's why these military <laughs> leaders are, are being uh, asked questions today? Well, I, I think the scenario you, you're, you're painting, Tim, is correct. Most Americans would have said two things. We would have said, look, let's get out. Let's get out of Afghanistan, period. Or, failing that, if you actually have a plan, if you've got a plan in place and a stable Afghan government, and if you decide you will, if you hold on to Bagram Air Force Base, and if you don't give away $70 billion worth of military equipment, right. whatever it was we gave to the bad guys, given all those ifs, fine. You want to keep 2,500 people there, uh, troops there to maintain peace and keep the, the bad guys from taking over. Most Americans would agree with that. All we can say is if you had tried to decide on the worst possible way to get out of Afghanistan, <laughs> I know, right? this was it. Yeah. I know, I know. Hey, I got a great idea. Let's pull all the military out first. Who's with me? That's right. <laughs> huh? right. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing is that Millie is contradicting Biden. Yes, because Biden is saying he doesn't remember a conversation where Milley suggested leaving 2,500 troops over there. And if that's the case, either Biden's a liar, mm-hmm. straight up, or he, he or his uh, cognitive uh, 
faculties are declining fast where he doesn't even remember something as important as a general telling you to leave a certain amount of troops over there. Mm-hmm. You can't say, I don't remember that conversation. That's, that, that's not an answer. No. Huh? Well, if you can't remember that conversation, then you need to resign mm-hmm. because yeah. you got, you, you're, you're, you're a risk to our national security because you can't remember squat. Yes. Squat spell S Q U A T. We'll be back in a minute. As followers of Christ, we are on mission. We're to share that gospel with people we come in contact with. Pastor Bert Harper. Bert Harper. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use you for his glory as a faithful servant. So when you come before him, he can say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Exploring Missions, Saturday afternoons at 2.30 Central and Sundays at 1 on American Family Radio. You know, when Matthew 19, the, the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Marysville Middle School in Washington State is ground zero in a fight over classroom flags. A teacher was ordered to remove a flag honoring police officers over fears it could cause a disruption. The teacher was told if she did not take down the thin blue line flag, she would face disciplinary action. What's got folks riled up is the district's policy regarding other flags. Some teachers have Black Lives Matter banners, gay pride flags posted in their classrooms. So why is it okay to fly a rainbow flag but not a pro-police flag? The school district declined to answer that question, so let me. The Marysville School District is infected with woke leadership. We've seen this around the country, classrooms that have been turned into propaganda centers for left-wing causes. That's why I recommend homeschooling. Be sure to download my daily podcast exclusive interviews this week with Marshall Blackburn, Mike Huckabee, and Dog the Bounty Hunter. Available right now at ToddStarns.com. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. 
Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. So, Todd is going to interview Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. Right, did you hear that? Yeah, that's beautiful. Todd Starnes. <laughs> I, I, I wonder what Dog the Bounty Hunter's sons or kids say at school when the other kids say, hey, what does your daddy do? <laughs> huh? Well, my daddy runs around the world Doesn't finding mean, people. Bad guys. Finding bad, bad guys. guys. Uh, travels the world. Have you ever watched one of those shows? Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Who, Dog the Bounty yeah, Hunter? Yeah, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous guy. Let's go all the way. And, um. You know that you know that they, they go after they go after these the bad guys. They'll hold hands and pray. You yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a mix of several different genres that don't normally go together. It's it's very fun. Now, are you uh, with the bounty hunter deal? Are you taking your law? Are you you're you're hired by somebody to go find somebody, right? You're licensed. It's a private. Oh, you're licensed. You are licensed, you're licensed. right? Okay, you're not like a. And you're contracted. To do the job. Okay, so law enforcement knows what you're up to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to know how that worked exactly. Because mm-hmm. you don't. You just don't have enough police officers to go out after everybody. Right. You just don't. Okay. So you can hire somebody like him, although probably rare, and then they go find the person, and then you have to call the police. Is that and true? They, then they bring them to the jail, bring them back to the jail. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've just never thought about being a bounty hunter. Huh? It's never entered my mind. No, it's dangerous work. Yeah. Dangerous work. All right. You're listening to today's issues on American Family Radio. Well, one of the things that we encourage strongly here at AFA and AFR is to spread the gospel of Christ uh, personally and uh, and however you can because we need to change the world, change our country, have revival in the land. So... Uh, however, whatever creative ways you can come up with to uh, to present Jesus Christ to people who don't know Him, we're 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 uh, in favor of that. And one of the books I recently re- received was by a gentleman in uh, Waco area, uh, D. Brandon Hare, and uh, he wrote a book called The Business Revival, which I have in my hand, which is about sharing your faith in the workplace, which I thought was applicable to everybody listening to. Our, our station pretty much, and he joins us now. Brandon, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. So you live, and I get that right, you live in the Waco area? I'm in Waco, Texas. Yes, sir. You bet. Hey, did Baylor win Saturday night? They sure did. Yeah, the place went crazy. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> they sure did. They beat uh, beat Iowa State, didn't they? Beat yeah. Iowa State. It was a, it was a nail-biter. They sure did. They yeah. pulled it off. Hey, uh, all right, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would, Brandon. Yeah, so uh, currently I am uh, Senior Vice President of one of the largest franchisors in the world. We've got uh, 1,200 corporate employees, about 5,000 franchise locations uh, in North America. We do about $3.5 billion in system-wide sales. So I'm one of the senior executives here uh, at our franchise. I've been here about 11 years. Okay, tell us about your uh, your book. Yeah, so uh, many many years ago, started um, uh, here uh, at at the company I'm at, and just really felt kind of empty. You know, I was praying with my wife, and 
we have three sons now. We had just had our newborn. I thought, Lord, how do I, how do I bring, how do I bring you into this place? Because you have brought me here for a reason and a purpose. I just need to figure out how to unlock that. Uh, and so wrote a book that's kind of cataloged the journey and a, a playbook, if you will, step by step of how we've seen, you know, over 150 salvations, uh, here in our company and another 250 in our franchisees. And um, so, yeah, the book just kind of details the journey. It details also uh, being in a non-Christian business, what happens when you get called to HR and they tell you you got to stop praying. Mm. Um, So go go through the entire journey there and and just God's faithfulness and his goodness uh, is kind of what the book's about. So how do you how do you share your faith in, in a secular environment like that? Yeah, so one of the things I think you have to start with uh, is is prayer, right? So I think go straight to Luke 11, and the words that I would say to all of our listeners that, that Jesus says quickly is shameless audacity, which is in uh, Luke 11. In the very beginning of that chapter, the disciples see Jesus pray, and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think just praying for the people next to you. Pray for the folks in the office. Pray for uh, the folks in the cube next to you. Start with that. You don't have to be someone's Holy Spirit to let Jesus move. And then he brings them to you. We're talk, talking to D. Brandon Hare. Do you go by D. Brandon or just Brandon? Brandon. I just go by Brandon. Okay, but you put the D on there because it sounds smarter, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. David Brandon. Okay, people, uh, so yeah, that's... people will more likely buy a book that has three names instead of just two. <laughs> Uh, That's it. That's you it. Put D, put D before Brandon. People go, hey, this guy sounds smart. He's got three names. That's uh, right. That's uh, exactly so right. you, uh, the, the title of the, the name of the book is what and who should and and who is it for? And then I want to ask you another couple questions here. Sure. Yeah. The title of the book is the business revival: getting what's inside of you inside of your workplace, and it is for anyone, uh, either who owns a business or anyone who is in a business of any type that wants to see a movement of God, that wants to bring Christ in the workplace. This book is for employees and business owners both. And how do I get it? Yes, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it pretty much wherever uh, books are sold. Amazon is uh, is the fastest way nowadays, right? Uh, yeah, to help Jeff Bezos into space. Yeah, that's, how, <laughs> that's, that's what we're all about here. Uh, the, the Business Revival is the name of it, so... Uh, by, and Brandon's last name is H-I-R-E. Tell us a story. How, how did you do this personally? Yeah, so it started, um, I just started with prayer. It started with a friend of mine uh, here. I just asked the Lord, hey, send me somebody. A co-worker? And a co-worker, yeah. Just send me somebody who who I can pray with. And walked in and to his office, needing help in sales. Uh, just, you know, hey, how, how do you do this? And I saw a cross in his office and said, hey, man, would you want to meet? And just pray. Um, and then that's where it started. And so we just pray. We still have every Friday. We have prayer now. We do it via webinar. And there's sometimes 40, 50 people show up on that webinar praying every single Friday morning at 8 o'clock. Um, Gary Landon's the man that I've been praying with for a long time. He and I pray every Tuesday still. Today's the day we were praying um, this morning for God to just move uh, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in our families, in our workplace, and in all those lives around us. What? How do you um, balance or manage, you mentioned uh, uh, what if you're called into HR, for example. You said 
human resources, which is, as most people know, is the part of an organization that handles personnel issues, personnel matters. Mm-hmm. So should, if you, uh, sound like me, you've, you've got a, a fairly friendly, Christian friendly environment. Uh, but, uh, some a lot of people listening right now don't work in a very tolerant environment unless you're LGBTQ or mm-hmm. or some um, a minority uh, group then uh, which is tolerated uh, but Christianity is not uh, so how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, so I think uh, one is 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 know know what your rights are right. I think yeah. the conversation that I detail in the book, um, you know, they're telling me I cannot pray. In my office, that's how the conversation started. And I said, well, are you telling me I can't pray in my office, in my space, on my terms, on my time? Uh, and if that's the case, we have a totally different constitutional conversation. Right. And then really quickly, it's, no, 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 that's not what we're saying. Now, let me let me preface this. Human resources is designed to help people, right? right. They're designed right. to protect folks. Right. Uh, so they're not the enemy. Uh, we have a common enemy. Uh, and I think the key in that is also having the conversations, knowing we even detail conversations with HR in the book of, well, you have hourly employees in there, Brandon. They can't pray on a Friday because they're hourly employees. And so the first conversation is, well, they're allowed a smoke break, aren't they? <laughs> well, yeah, but that's different. Gotcha. Well, can, mm-hmm. they, can they have 10 minutes to go outside and smoke? Right, right. They can. Or, well, hey, can they meet at lunch? Or on their right. own time. Well, yeah, they can meet on their own time. Right. Well, okay. Well, then we'll just make sure we do it. So we even talk about God. God not only had gave us a service, he, he split it to where we had two services. It's a joke around here, right? Second service uh, on Friday. <laughs> where you have the hourly guys meet at 730 in the morning before work and pray. And um, then you got folks that meet at 8 o'clock. So, so you just have to know. And I think the other thing, and the Word of God says is so clearly in Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear, right? He gave us a power, love, and a sound mind. And I think that's the key is knowing is God sent you somewhere. And that's the thing. Most Christians are sitting in their place, workplace going, why should I, man, I shouldn't even be here. I don't like this job. Well, maybe it's not for you. The question that I challenge everyone that I get to disciple along the way is ask yourself this question and, and ask God to, to reveal this to you. Lord, what am I here for and who am I here for? Because you sent me on a mission. So let's just get that, let's get that out in the light, Lord. What am I here for, and who am I here for? And watch what he does. Watch the purpose that he places in your life. And the person most likely, Tim, is somebody that, that grates on you. <laughs> it could be somebody that's really hard to love, uh, the person God sent you there for. And watch what Holy Spirit does. You know, one other thing is, uh, don't you think, Brandon, the best witness you can be, uh, yes, we need to witness with our mouth and, and be a testament testify obviously the bible teaches that but you also have to be uh, uh you also ha- need to live a consistent uh christian life in front of people who don't know the lord otherwise they're not going to listen to what you have to say mm-hmm. and that includes on absolutely. your job at your job would you agree with that absolutely we even detail that in uh in in the book as well as you know god called me years ago i was in my in my quiet time I heard the Lord say, Brandon, I want you to be a pest for the gospel. Uh, be a man of prayer, of excellence, of strength, and of truth. Sometimes that means showing up. I have I have non-believers that are my vice presidents that will say, I don't want to hire Christians because they're the ones who show up 20 minutes late. They're the ones who never want to work hard. 
and you go, whoa, okay. So discipling these young folks um, that go through, and you know, I, the 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 bad word is is millennials, right? Well, I am one of those, right? I'm just a, a, a baby boomer trapped in a millennial's body, but <laughs> God, God has called us to to be excellent at what we do, right? Work unto the Lord. And I think that's the key uh, to unlocking so much is, yes, you can confess with your mouth, you can preach with your mouth, but if you're the worst employee in the bunch, mm-hmm. man, you just shot that witness out of the sky. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so you're a baby boomer trapped in a millennial's body? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sounds like a great country song right there. <laughs> you might want to pitch that to, like, Alan Jackson or somebody. Uh, yeah, i got to figure that out. Brandon, because that is a great title for a song or a book or your next book. Uh, that's anyway. right. That's right. Okay, so the book is called The Business Revival, Getting What Is Inside of You. Inside of Your Workplace by D. Brandon Hare, H-A-I-R-E. And you can get the book anywhere, uh, Brandon says. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, appreciate you reminding us about how we should be a, a witness for Christ, even, even in our workplace. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a- Interesting guy. I, I love the point he made there that if you're going to witness with your mouth at work, your work ethic better match up to what a Christian should be. Can, uh, and he gave the example, the guy, I don't want to hire Christians because they're the ones that show up 20 minutes late for work every day. Uh, so you have to live it first to give you that credibility to then share the gospel. Right. You know, the other, the other emphasis that really touched me, it started with prayer. He didn't start with some big program, didn't mm. start by, quote, passing right. out tracks or calling for a meeting. He got together with another guy, and they started to pray. That's where all effective ministry has to begin, right? I mean, we want the big results, and we want all the flash and everything. And Well, it starts get down on your knees and ask the Lord for his help. And so he and a friend started to pray. That may be the thing that impressed me the most. It's a ministry born out of prayer. I'm not surprised God has blessed him and that outreach abundantly. You know, conversely, uh, you, you, he was mentioning, you mentioned, Fred, about Christians having a bad reputation at the workplace, which hurts their testimony. And, okay. Conversely, I've heard of many stories mm-hmm. about people in their workplace being hired, being promoted uh, by their bosses, even though their bosses are non Christian. Yes. Because they're. Christian employees are loyal, mm-hmm. come uh, hardworking, mm-hmm. uh, go the extra mile, have a good attitude, have a smile on their face, have a can-do spirit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying you have to be a Christian to have those qualities, mm-hmm. but those qualities are found taught in the Bible. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And Amen. if we if we if we far, follow those qualities, Ray. Then we're gonna, by defecto, be a good witness. Hey, how about Daniel? Book of Daniel, chapter six. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, it was he was old, old, old man, yeah. and the Medes and Persians came to power, and he was promoted because the Bible says there was an excellent spirit yeah. in him. Mm-hmm. There was something about him that even unbelievers can spot. Sometimes we think unbelievers are stupid. They're not stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they don't understand the Trinity, but we struggle with that too, right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they don't they don't understand all the religious stuff, but you know what about unbelievers? They can spot 
a phony a mile away and they appreciate reality when they see it so it does make a difference and we've all had jobs we don't like yeah yeah Mm. (laughs) and we did it anyway because we like to eat that's right right and you know what and of course i've been in this role a long time here at afa and afr but before that i had other jobs some of which i didn't like but I did it anyway and tried to do it the best I could till I found a job I did like. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I understand there are a lot of people listening to us going, yeah, but you don't understand. I hate my job. Well, I would suggest you go on the federal government dole and get a free handout from Joe Biden the rest of your life. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't recommend that because that's the problem we're having in America right, right now, right? right? Nobody People can, already taking that advice. Yeah, nobody can find him. This is getting serious. Uh, have, are you experiencing that? We've talked about this before, Ray. It's all over. All I mean, over the place. And you see these restaurants. Restaurants by the hundreds, by the thousands are closing. Tim, because we've got a couple of, I won't mention the names, but a couple of them are these big franchise deals here in the Kansas City area. Right? And they have closed mm-hmm. recently because nobody wants to work nobody well, does my wife last night allison she told me she said i uh, went through walgreens got a prescription they gave me a uh, a note they put a note in my bag and said we're starting to close at seven they used to close at 10 yes then they closed at nine then they mm-hmm. closed at eight and now mm-hmm. they're saying they're closing at seven mm-hmm. right and and fred and that's yeah. just typical yep this is happening a, everywhere and so it was happening in Michigan too, and other. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Every everywhere we've been recently, right? And I, I've been around the country a lot the last month or so. You see signs everywhere: yeah. help wanted, thousand yeah. dollars signing yeah. bonus, yeah. seventeen dollars an What's hour. What's great is this not? But you would have thought this would be over by now because we've never experienced this in America that I can remember where you had millions of jobs available, millions of people unemployed. And the two aren't marrying. That's right. Well, I, I mean, well, I've, so what's I've, going on? I've heard employers say, "I can't compete with Joe Biden." Now, what are they saying? Joe Biden is providing three hundred bucks a week to an. Now, empl- is that set to end now here in well, September? Well, it's it's supposed to. It's supposed to, but you can't trust. You can't trust what Joe Biden says. Or Pelosi. Or Pelosi. I, I mean, part of this huge three point five trillion dollar package you know free daycare for three and four year olds i mean the government's going to pay for it pay two years of uh, college for you so when the government is starts to pay for everything the question comes into the minds of a lot of individuals well why do i have to work i got all this free in other words that creates slothfulness exactly a a, a slothful mentality exactly among among, among people (laughs) yep Exactly. Right? right. Why would you work? Why would you? Right. Why would you work if you're going to get money from the government to stay home and do nothing? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what evidently millions of people are doing. Mm-hmm. So these signs are up everywhere, Tim, yeah. all over the nation. Yeah. I had a, I was in, uh, we was in Colonial Williamsburg last week with mm-hmm. a group talking with uh, somebody in management there. And uh, I said, why, why are these, uh, I said, is, is, business down so that's why you got a couple of your hotels closed that i notice are normally open because we go there every year twice a year mm-hmm. he said oh no i could have had 
both of those hotels at 70 70 capacity all summer mm-hmm. uh but i had but I, but I got no employees yep yeah. wow that's what's and i was thinking to myself wow you talking about you could have generated that much more revenue mm-hmm. however you don't have employees to work uh it's just you know in a free enterprise country like america mm-hmm. uh with and you can't match employees you got more jobs available than you have people willing to take them and it's primarily because the federal government has interfered in the natural process of business yes. and employment so to incentivize people to sit on their rear end at home mm-hmm. rather than go to work, mm-hmm. you got a problem. It's a right. dangerous situation, right, Tim? You got I mean, a big not, problem. Not just a problem, but it's a dangerous situation for the economy. Yes. Mm-hmm. When you've got businesses, and now you're saying hotels that are just shut down because they could, they're people who do not. You, what you just said is there's a guy who's got a hotel. He could he could get it at 70% occupancy. He doesn't have people who want to work there. Yes. Crazy. And and a major uh, company like Walgreens closing down their stores. At se- you know, people need medicine. Stuff, but I'm just saying I understand. You don't have employees. But I'm just saying that's an example. You, also, you can't find new automobiles. Yeah, right. Now that's a, maybe a different reason. That's those chips they keep talking about. That has about. to do with the West Coast. The ships coming in from Asia, they can't unload their cargo because the longshoremen are not working the three shifts that normally that they work. So you've got right now you've got ships off of uh, Long Island, California. Uh, in California, they're waiting three weeks. They're anchored for three weeks offshore, waiting to get their stuff in. It's crazy. Uh, uh, automobiles, new automobiles, you can't hardly find them. Yep. You, That's can't, you can't hardly find, um, I went into a store the other day that sells like tractors, mm-hmm. uh, lawnmowers, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. The showroom's been sitting bare for like two months, yeah. three months. Yeah. They don't, don't have any Don't have any product to sell. Nope. I don't know. There's something going on here. Something is, yeah. Mm-hmm. The supply chain issues are real, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their story came out yesterday that Costco has, you know, they, they have, I don't know, they have rented, that's the least, two or three of these huge container ships and thousands and thousands of containers uh, to to ward off coming supply chain issues and to keep their prices low. Costco sees what the problem is. Right. So, well, you know, yeah. some of this, so some of the, I think we're all in agreement here, some of this is a natural consequence of the shutdowns that took right. place. We all understand that, that the, how that could happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because of COVID last year, we closed down the economy in a lot of places. So that we're, we're, we're kind of seeing the, the, uh, the results of that downstream. Mm-hmm. Right. However, that being said, I believe, and I've said this before, it is the intention of the Democrat Party in America to have as many people dependent on federal government money mm-hmm. as possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I don't think there's any question about that right. mm-hmm. any longer. Mm-hmm. And in fact, right. I think the Democrat Party's proud of that fact. Mm-hmm. Because, they're not hiding it. Huh? They're, not, they're hiding not hiding it. Hiding. That's the reason you're saying, Fred, 
with this $3.5 trillion, they're wanting to give free college and free uh, daycare. Yes. Well, what you're doing there is you're, you're buying more votes. Yes. That's, that's the way they see it. Mm-hmm. How can we get more people to vote Democrat? I tell you what, we give them free stuff. Yes. And if we give them free stuff and they don't have to work for it, guess where they, who they're going to vote for every time? They're going to vote for us. Yeah. So it, it, in, an, in a uh, – uh, that's immoral, but uh, it, it, the morality of it aside, the strategic mm-hmm. – the st- strategic – George W. Bush said strategery, strategery. right? <laughs> the strategery of it, to borrow from George W. Bush, just in raw political terms, without mm-hmm. any regard for the, the the long-term or even short-term consequences, is smart. Yeah. Because uh, you you give you put children, uh, you you walk out talk to your five grandchildren, and you got two grandparents, two grandpas, right there, and one of them's got suckers. And the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Or, or the other one said, no, we're going inside to eat broccoli. Mm-hmm. Who do you think they're going to pick? Yeah. Uh, the, you see what I'm the saying? Suckers, the suckers. So, so they're going to go for yes, the suckers. suckers. So the Democrat Party in America has had – now, this, this is the longstanding tradition with them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, look at what the Great Society and the welfare programs of the 60s did, particularly mm-hmm. to the black family. That's right. In America, destroy it. Mm-hmm. Now, seventy-five percent of all black children are born out of wedlock. Why? Because it started in the '60s with the: if you have babies out of wedlock, we give you a check. If you have babies in wedlock, we don't give you squat. Yep. So that changed the whole mentality, and you see what happened as a result. So mm-hmm. this is a plan. This is an agenda. This is a, a strategy on the part of liberals in America to control more and more people. And mm-hmm. it's human nature to take free stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, we all know that. But the consequences are devastating. And maybe we're seeing the front end of that right now, or maybe the back end in some respects. We'll be back in five minutes. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not 